Hey, it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Our new series today, titled Giving to Giving, we're really just using the things or taking the things that God has given us and giving them to others. But this point that Heather had when we started this, before you can give anything away, you really have to be able to receive. You must be able to receive what you're giving. Um, I was talking to a buddy, a uh, coaching friend, and he's, he just said, well, he's not, he's not um, living out what he's preaching. He's not living out what he's, what he's teaching. He's, the values he's trying to instill in others, he doesn't have himself. And it's the same with love. Like if, if we've not received love, it's really hard. It's really hard to give love. And so in everything we're discussing in this series, it's, it's rooted in love. And that's where we're starting today. We're starting with love because, because God first loved us. And so I believe God's taught us that love is an action. And as we jump into Valentine's Day, I think Heather did a little bit of, a little bit of back work or some study on what Valentine's Day was. I did. I tried to look up actually because um, my kids actually asked, why do we even celebrate Valentine's Day? And sadly, I really did not know. So um, I thought it was because we needed a holiday in February. Hey, it sounded good. <laughs> so we did, I did a little research, and there's several different meanings, but the one that seems to stick out the most or be the most prominent is the one about um, a guy named St. Valentine that back in, I don't even remember the year, um, the Roman emperor at the time made a decree that men were not allowed to get married, that they needed to be solely devoted to Rome because they would make better soldiers if they did not have a wife or children at home, no attachments. And which I'm, yeah, can make sense. No baggage. Yeah. Well, it's like Rocky, right? <laughs> Women make you weak. Women weaken legs. So he made a law that no one was allowed to get married. Well, there was a, a Catholic priest that thought otherwise, and he secretly would marry couples, and his name was St. Valentine. So he thought love was great enough that we all needed it, and he went against what the law was at that time and married couples and thought, love, love is greater than this. And so that's why we have Valentine's Day. It's to celebrate love. It's to celebrate um, everything that love represents. Yeah. And in that, I think that um, we were talking about starting this message and really Heather was like, well, we talked a little about Eve in the garden last yeah. week and being tempted and, and, and how she kind of fell into, well, I'm not, not necessarily that it was a trap, but there was, it seemed like there might've been a lack. Yeah. Well, I started thinking about relationships and I thought about Eve and granted the time that Adam and Eve were in is totally different than the time that we are in now. Um, innocence. There was no, they didn't know wrong. They did not know evil yet. So everything that was presented to them was good. There wasn't an opportunity for them to think otherwise. However, when I thought about Eve actually being deceived, um, I think about her relationship with God and I thought, I wonder how well she knew him and how close she was to him. Because when I think about how much I love someone, if I love God, then I would trust everything that they said. And I would know their intentions behind why they were saying something. So I thought about Eve in the garden, not even questioning, not even giving room to the thought that hmm, maybe there is a reason that he told me not to eat of this room. Maybe there's a, it, did God really mean what he said when he said that? Well, I think we all come to a point where we question things, but I just thought about relationships and about the closeness and when you really love somebody, the fullness of the understanding that comes behind that. Um, and so I just think that you can't love, you don't know what love is without a relationship with God. Um, God, the Bible says God is love. And so to know God fully, you would have to understand what love is. But starting by knowing what love is, you have to be able to receive that, which is what Dusty said in the beginning. You can't give something that you've never received. So that's the first step to actually knowing God is being able to receive him and his gift of love and everything that entails. So we're taking that a little bit deeper today. Yeah. 
Yeah. And our big idea then is really to know what love is, you must know who God is. And so we will kind of back that up with 1 John 4, 8. This is the Holman. I believe all the all these are in the Holman. Heather's going to read in the Amplified today, but I'll be in the Holman. And uh, 1 John 4, 8 says, sorry, we have, we have people, we have visitors right now. It's amazing. <laughs> Um, 1 John 4, 8 says, The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. God's love is perfect. It's consistent. It never changes. It's always the same. It's the same yesterday. It's the same today. It's going to be the same forever. The one who does not know, um, the one who does not love does not know God. And so then you think about, okay, that leads to action. That leads to action. So then in that and knowing that his love is the same, then we are essentially a reflection of him. Yes. It says in Genesis 127 that we are made in God's image, that he created us in his own image, that um, he created a male and female. So we are to be a full reflection of him and who he is. That means we're to be a reflection of love and what that is. Yeah. And so then the probably the biggest question today would be, what is love? What is love? And we've got the actual the feed going live right here. I don't know if you can see your comments, but we've got the, lead, the, the feed in front of us as we go along with uh, what we prepare today. And the big question, I think, off the, off the very top is what is love? And I think we've defined the church answer. I think we all have the church answer, right? Well, God is love, and, and we've defined that it starts with a relationship. And, and without, without God, there is no love and vice versa. And so for you in the comment section growing up, I mean, I grew up with a very, very different interpretation of love. Love uh, for me was very um, works-based. It was, man, keep all the ducks in a row, keep everything up, just do. And as long as you do, as long as you do, people tend to be happy, especially when you do it exactly how they like you to do it. And so what is love? And if you feel like, eh, in the comment section, there's not a right and a wrong. There's not, you have permission. Um, there's not a, well, you would never want me to speak at your church service because it's, that's not what it was ever intended to be anyways. And so, um, we're going to ask you to engage a couple of different times today in the comment section. Um, really, really for you, but because your answer is going to spark iron sharpens iron, your answer, your comment is going to spark other people's minds, responses. It's going to speak to other people just as much as, as we are today. And so then, um, the response in the comment are going to be are going to be huge, and so you can drop those in there anytime. Well, I grew up and and perfect love to me was when yeah. you know my dad woke me up by throwing sh- uh, water on my face because I didn't get up the first time. He said before alarm my alarm clock, by the way. And so, what is what is love, and and what are those actions of love, and what are they rooted in? That's really what we're asking. What is love? Yeah, um, we have a Dusty found an incredible definition it's kind of like a culmination of things of what excuse me of what love is and so i'm just going to read that real quick gives us an idea of what what all it entails it says love is the selfless giving devoted love of god in others it's an active display and compels us to put others needs above our own love honors others and celebrates truth no matter how difficult it is to hear it it gives of self even when it doesn't feel like it Love doesn't allow feelings to dictate its choices. Love is hopeful, persevering, and trusting. People who operate in love keep hatred, apathy, and self-preservation far from them. What else would you, is there anything that you would take? Is there anything, any, any of those areas that you would highlight where you would say, yeah, I get this, or I feel this, and I know you're going to define um, love here in just a second the way that God revealed it to you. But like mm-hmm. when you read that, what stuck out to you? Um, you know, on the spot here. <laughs> it's okay. I'm used to it by now. Um, I, for me, I think when I read this, I think whatever I'm working on at the moment or at the time is what sticks out to me. Um, an active display. Dusty's amazing at actively displaying love. Like he does stuff all day long for me. Little things that reminds me of, how much he loves me. I, on the other hand, I'm, I'm busy, which I'll spend during the day and I forget to actively display it as much as he does. And so for me, that's a great reminder to to say, Hey, hold on, actively display it. Not the way that I think that I need to actively display it, but the way that he receives love, what makes him fueled, what gives him love, shows him love. That's good because, and 
she'll, she'll correct me if I'm wrong, but that's really number two for her. She could, it's not that she could care less about acts of service, but she really wants quality time. Mm-hmm. Me doing something for her, like bringing her coffee is great, but me coming over and giving her a hug and asking her how she's doing and, and just being with her means more to her than me doing something for her. And that's, that's unique because growing up for me, love was an act. And so then we tend to give love how we received it growing up. And so it took me, this is our 16th Valentine's Day, by the way. It took me uh, the greater part of the first half of our marriage to understand that Heather didn't receive love like I received love. And, and just because I thought that love was getting something means I need to get you something. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that that wasn't it at all, and you know we've been through the, the five love languages and we've been through all kinds of stuff together, but realizing like, um, I think that's what Valentine's Day in the past is, has always kind of bothered me because it's that one, it's the one day we're like, all right, we're going to package all of our love and we're going to give it on this day. And really, I feel like we should do that every day. Mm-hmm. And even though that, that could be right or wrong for you, but in that, I think that what you really, what you really feel or sense in that is like, we tend to do that the way that we like to get it. And real love is, is relationship. It's rooted in relationship and knowing, okay, she doesn't always need, she doesn't always need this. Yes, those are great. And those are acts of service. And, and I know they're great for her and she appreciates them. But more than anything, Heather likes that time on the couch at night together, whether it be in conversation or watching her favorite Netflix show or um, whatever. It's just, it's just the being together. And so not to, not to get off. We're trying to keep this under an hour. We just got off track. So, um, so then most people believe that love leads to giving. So if, if it's not doing, it's giving, right? And so in that, I think what you get is if love does lead to giving, love is an action. But without real love, giving is just a guilt trip or it's a have to or it's a box that you check, right? Uh, it's just... That's what I do to stay in good graces, right? Some believe that love leads to truth. And I would say God's in the middle of both of these. God, God gave love first and God's love is truth. But without real love, the truth isn't there. It's a false front, right? It's an obligation or it's a lie. There has to be truth in that love or it's just surface level. I would just call that blah. I don't have another word for it. It's just blah. That's empty. Yeah. It's empty. And so uh, it's rotten. It's rotten is what I would call it. And so I do believe love leads to action, but it begins with, with relationship. And so our first relationship is to know God through love. And we find that in 1 John 4, uh, chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 19. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 19. I'm going to invite you to grab your Bibles if you want to read along with me as we go through this. Um, just a few um, just a few verses here, but really talking about knowing God, like the relationship that ties through our first responsibility is to know God through love. And the title of uh, chapter four, verse seven is knowing God through love. And so let's go right to the word and see what it says. It says, <clears throat> dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, which means that he would gain favor, that we would essentially be brought back, right? Uh, For our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us. Sorry, the K got me there. God remains in us, and his love is perfected in us. This is how we know that we remain in him, and he in us. He has given us assurance, assurance to us from his spirit. That's a, big, that's a big bullet. You could highlight that or underline it in your Bible. God has given us assurance to us. God's given us assurance from his spirit, verse 14. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus, the Son of God, remains in him, 
and he in God. And we have come to know and believe that the love that God has for us, God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. In this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. For we are his, for we are as he is in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. And I think I touched on 17 and 18 when I was talking about how I received love. I really did out of fear because there was going to be a swat or a melon slap or a flick on the ear. And so my, my, my childhood growing up wasn't bad, but in, acts, in those acts of service, I was doing out of fear of punishment. And not saying that that's bad or good. If you, if, if you operate that way, you know, and it's easy to carry that with you. It's easy to carry that with you as you go. And so um, all that saying, you must know God. Yeah. To, um, you have to know God. You have to um, be able to experience his love and um, doing that. Because God is love. Yes. And so I think about a relationship. How do we get to know somebody? What does getting to know God look like? What is a relationship? And you think about when you first start a relationship with somebody, you're usually super eager and you want to spend all this time with them and you're super absorbed in everything that they're saying and you're taking it all in. And It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it is amazing. <laughs> um, but our relationship with God, the only way we can ever... Um, let that flow out of us is by starting with doing that same thing with God. It's spending time with him. It's spending time in his word, but it's not just um, doing stuff, being busy all the time. It's sitting and letting that soak in. It's meditating on it. It's thinking about what he says about me during the day. It's letting that sink in really deep to where I'm so full of his love that it spills over onto others. Think about when you, um, if you have been in love before, your countenance is different. You are happy, you're cheerful, and that's the way that God created us to live, to be so full of his love and to be able to live in a way that shows that to everybody. You say something? It's an expectation in your relationship with God. And so if I come to my time with God without an expectation to hear from him, um, to see him move, if I pray empty prayers that, that I've been praying for years with no fruit, um, if, if I don't have the expectation that, that God, one, God is love, God wants what's very best for me, God, is, God goes before me and he goes behind me, God is all around me, God is with me, and, and God wants good for me. And I think that when you come to that time in your relationship, it's like she's saying in the very beginning, there's an expectation, there's this fire. And, and, and a lot of times in relationships that all that, the expectation, everything drops because what, because we come to know, um, and, and, and we it's head knowledge too comfortable in the, and then we're relaxed and it's not that you shouldn't be comfortable with God. You should, I mean, we should be able to walk right in just as we are and sit and have a conversation with him. But it's still, we should not feel so dull and not immune to um, who he is and how he loves us and what he says about us and knowing him so well, spending the time with him that it's that um, there still should be excitement and a desire and a drive to spend time with him. It's a living relationship. It's a process. It is, it is, it is not... It's heavily tied to our faith, and so it, that that expectation comes from the root of your belief. And if you have, you know, for lack of a better term, if you have God kind of pinned in a corner or put in a box and say, "Well, that's what faith is, and that's what love is, and that's what all these other things are that have to do with religion," then it's hard to have an expectation because you've essentially created distance in that. God's not created distance from you. God's with you, and again, you He doesn't. You don't get more of him; he gets more of you. It's it's that willing, it's that willing walk. Exchange, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, in First Corinthians, um, I'm going to read First Corinthians 13. It's known as the love chapter. For verse four is where it kind of starts and tells what love is. But before that, it starts talking about um, doing without love. It talks about um, being a voice with no love. It talks about giving yourself 
um, to be burned without love and how all of that stuff is in vain. Um, it's talking about without love, everything that we do is in vain. It won't last. It will fade away. Um, it's just very empty. So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to actually read it out of the Amplified um, because I like how it explains it a little more. I'm going to read verses uh, 4 through 7. It said, love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful. It is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It's not provoked nor overly sensitive and easily angered, which is super easy to do sometimes. It does not take into account a wrong endured, does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things regardless of what comes. It believes all things, looking for the best in each one, hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, endures all things without weakening. I just love how it gives a little bit more. Um, I know one version says it's uh, long suffering, and we were joking about when does Ooh. suffering ever sound appealing? Especially when you put long in front of it. Long suffering, <laughs> good grief. Like, does that mean we're packing it in for this? Is- but I love how it says it just, instead of saying long suffering, it remains steadfast during difficult times without weakening. Like, that's just what love is. You know, before Dusty and I got married, um, I was just praying and spending time, Lord, help me to love him how he needs to be loved. Let me Amen. show me what he needs. Not me love him the way I think that he needs to be loved. So I started to, I went. I'd and, never prayed that prayer, by the way. So that's why it took me a couple of years to get it figured out. So I went into, um, of course, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. And I pulled it up and I started reading this when I thought, okay, I know what I think that patience is. I know what I think um, arrogance is. But what does, what's the literal definition of these? So I, I literally got out a dictionary and looked up patience. And I would be very intentional to pray specifically that I could be patient and I would list what it actually said. And then I would practice that with him, that I would know what being patient is and that I would be able to put that into action. How's that going? Um, I think it's going, how do you think it's going? (laughs) It's going pretty good. She's very patient. So, um, it was implementing that it was breaking it down. I think we all have a version of, we do all have a version of what we think is love what love is. But for me, this helped tremendously to read this, but then go back and break it down, pray over it, pray that God would show me what that is for me. How is he loves me? How, how is he patient with me? How is he going forward so that I could then pour that out onto Dusty? And where Heather got it right and I missed it was, it's the reality of it's hard for God to guide you in love if you can't make up your mind on, on which way you're going to go. Meaning, meaning I must decide, you must decide if you're going to love for a what or from a why. Are you going to love for what or from a why? And so we have to make the decision to live and believe what First John chapter 4, verse 19 says. We love because he first loved us. This is why we love. This is why we love. But if this is the only what, if this is the only what we believe, and it's not what we've experienced, we'll never know. And so we can believe that. But if we haven't experienced it, if we haven't received it, then we don't know why we actually give love. And so the only reason you can love God or love anybody else is because God first loved you. And so we see that he showed the depth of his love for us by sending his son Jesus to die for us. We all know that. We all know that. We sh- uh, he showed us that he loved us by creating us. We're sitting here this morning with life and breath and sight and vision and all the things that we have. Because God loved us, because God created us. And he showed his love for us in everything that we have, everything that we have. And so then everything that we have that is good is proof of James 1.17. That'll be on the screen, but it's a gift of God's love. It's the gift from God's love. And so to bring good, to bring that love to others, we must first understand it and believe it and receive it. We must understand and receive how much God loves us first. So then it's not about talking about it or reading about it. It's experiencing God's love, God's love first, God's love firsthand, God's love for you. And so here's the reality. I think that this happens when, obviously, it's, it's what we read in 1 John 4, when you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came and died for you. Okay, that's kind of, the, that's, that's step one. 
And what happens when you receive that love, that gift of love, um, you start giving people a break. Mm -hmm. You start easing up just a little bit. You gain a little bit more patience, like Heather was saying. Um, You're more forgiving. You're more forgiving. It's not that you're not forgiving now, but you're more forgiving when you understand when Christ says, hey, (laughs) listen, Forgive others as I've forgiven you. That that means always. That means yesterday, today, and forever, because that's what God does for us. And you'll be more merciful. You're going to be more merciful. You're going to show more mercy. You're going to give more grace. You're going to give more grace, meaning you're not going to be as as quick to react or respond. It's listening to understand. It's gaining. It's gaining that understanding. It's being quick to, um, you know, <laughs> traffic is probably the the fastest way that we can actually lose our minds, at least for me. And so in middle America, I don't know that people know there's a horn in the middle of their car. You never hear of horns in middle America, hardly ever, okay? Unless somebody crashes and their face hits the horn, they're like, oh, the horn over there. And here, people are really quick to, to let you know that they're behind you. And so then, it's just being a little more merciful, having a little more grace, some more understanding, right? Now, if you honk your horn, that doesn't mean that, that, doesn't mean that you don't believe in Jesus, okay? So honk away if that's you. I don't honk. I'm... Super vocal. Heather just lets it all go in the car, <laughs> like you can hear her, even though you can't. And I'm know. not a yeller, but I am like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, she asks these questions, and I really can't. <laughs> I really can't comprehend what's happening. And um, the first time I rode with her, we took uh, a road trip for 12 hours. It was yeah, it was the first time we actually rode together, <laughs> and I had gotten this like 11 hours, and I just could. I I didn't even know my name, and I had to change. And so I get in the passenger seat, which I do not like to do. And all this, I'm in there and, and Heather is talking and I can't even sleep because she's asking these questions. And I just go, who are you talking to? Well, I, he said it was funny because at the time I was like, we're listening to worship music because that's what I like to listen to when I was driving. Right, right. So I'd be singing, but then I'd be like super pissed <laughs> off the same. I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, this doesn't go together. How can you be like, okay, thank you, Lord. And the same song, what are you doing? You moron. Like, we're growing. Happens. We're just growing. Okay. <laughs> And so we're going to dive into a few questions um, because the reality is when you experience God's love for yourself, you can truly live and lead what 1 Corinthians 13 is telling us to do. Not just that verse 1 through 3 where we, where we see that it's disconnected without love, but really the heart of what Heather was reading in verse 4 through 7. And so, again, comment sections here. Why it's got it, we have it. And the first question is, why do spiritual acts now kind of switch gears with us? Let's get out of the... Of the, you know, I, by the way, I never want this to be student to teacher. I mean, we do this together. And so the fact that you're here, I've done some stuff on Wednesday nights to actually spark engagement that hasn't gone as good as I've wanted it to. Okay. But this is, this is where we're going to go in the future with services is more of this. And so transitioning there, question one is this, why do good spiritual acts gain nothing for us if we do them without love? Why do good spiritual acts gain nothing for us if we do them without love? I think this can be, um, you know, a lot of people would call this, you're religious or it's religion. It's just what you do. Well, we got to go do that uh, to get it out of the way or, or whatever that is. And so why? And, and there's, you, not, there's, not a, there's not a one, it's not a one answer covers everything. It's sure, not a. Sure isn't. Um, growing up, I would always revert back to. I always gave the very biblical answers. I don't know if they were always like, it was, this is what we should do. So I would say what it was as opposed to, um, I didn't have very much experience. So I couldn't, I didn't have the knowledge or the maturity to answer a question um, from personal experience without right. it being just a, which it, a Bible answer is great. That is correct. I'm not saying that that's but wrong. But you hit it on the head. It was just this answer because this is what it says, not uh, how did that affect me? What did it, where was it coming from? Your experience doesn't make it wrong or right. It makes, it makes others better. That's, I believe that's the root of iron sharpening iron. What you've experienced is what helps others either get over the hump or get through it if they experience it. And so then um, there's, this is not going to be us going, do you believe she said that? I cannot believe they think that's what X is. It doesn't, like, that's not where we're at. And if you have that fear on you, that's not rooted in love. And so, um, again, just engage and get 
a conversation going with us in the comment section. Be glad to. So, so then I see absolutely. Oh, we're we are on like a thirty second delay, so okay. we'll give you just a little bit of time, and I think that's what that what that little yeah was was anyways. And so we can. I mean, yeah. That what a reason that I honestly do think is why why is it empty or why do spiritual acts gain nothing for us if we do them without love? Um, because love is not a selfish thing. It goes back to the spiritual acts gain nothing like. It needs to be rooted in our why are we doing it? It's not, um, I'm doing this because I have to. It's, or it's just an act. Oh, I should do this because this, this is what will make them feel good. I need yeah. to do it because of this. It's not because I love them and from the abundance of that love, this is why I'm doing it. Yeah. And so uh, we're going to go to the second question we like to kind of jump in with you. And this, this is, uh, it's going to gain a little bit of depth, I believe. The love described in 1 Corinthians 13 seems to be so simple. It seems to be so very simple. It could be that way for a number of reasons. But why is loving like this so difficult? If it seems so simple, if, if oh, oh, I just, yeah, I can do that. And when you change, you know, the word long-suffering to consistent, it's like, hey, I, I can do that too. Seems so simple. Why is it so difficult? Why is it so difficult? And as you think through that, you want to engage or you ponder, ponder the thought, why is it so difficult? And I think for me, the, the answer is um, people. People make it difficult. People are the greatest thing on earth and they're the worst thing on earth. And that's just like, that's real talk. And so we get offended. We get bothered. We, um, we get upset. We... It's, it's just human nature to look for, especially in your social media feed, right? Anything I can say to um, ruffle somebody's feather to be a, a screen hero, right? And so the reality in this is, is it seems so simple when we read it and we talk about it, but the reality is it asks us to give. Mm -hmm. It's so hard because I have to give of myself. And so... We come to that crossroads where it's like, well, I can give for a what, or I can give for the why, and that why is going to be rooted in relationship, and the what's going to be rooted in probably something selfish, right? Well, I have to do this. If I have to do this, I stand in grace. If I do this, they'll do this. He'll do this. She'll do this as long as I keep doing this. That's not rooted in love. It, at one time, it might have started there, and I'm not here to say it's not that. It is it is knowing the difference and realizing it's difficult because it asks it, it asks and requires you to give action, right? And so it really reverts back to verse um, four. Four it says, "Yeah, love is not proud." Um, when I think about being proud, it, that's an excessive opinion of myself. I'm not so um, no so much better or above that I can't do this. Um, when we think about Jesus, he was the ultimate servant. He came. He could have thought him of himself higher and was totally justified in not doing what he did, but he came as a servant and he humbled himself and he gave and displayed and showed love what that was. And so um, it's not proud. I think that's what it is. It's not a, a fleshly desire. It's humbling yourself and going forward. I just told people their responses are welcome. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut two questions out of this because we felt like it might go like this. And again, this is obviously a transition could be a big, a big shift for most of you to think, oh, wow, I actually have a say or, or can say something. And so um, the third question we have is this, what does it mean that love keeps no record of wrongs? It's a toughie, right? And there are, there are sometimes, even last night, I asked her, I said, hey, would you not say that anymore? It bothers me. And that ended up being a bigger discussion than I really wanted it to be because I thought that we had an understanding, and we didn't. But it was good. It was, it was a healthy conversation, and it's this. What does it mean that love keeps no record of wrongs? Like, when you think about what that means, it is... Um, it's I, not a tally system. Yeah. I don't, um, like... Just personally, it's not, I'm not keeping track of everything that he did that pissed me off or everything that he did that I don't like or 
oh, well, I did this and this and this for him. I'm going to mark this down. I'm going to remember that. And then when he comes back and he needs or wants something, I'm, I'm going to hold him out here and I'm not going to give it to him because X, Y, and Z, I've got 14 things here that you did not do. Like, it's not a tally system. I'm not remembering everything that he screwed up and did or did not do or what I did that was so much better. It's erasing that and it's being open and um, constantly being a channel for love to flow from me, from God, through me to Dusty. And now we have it on video, so I'll never have to worry about it again. <laughs> um, now the reality is she's she is, one, her relationship with God is really good. She has uh, more faith and more love. What and how she serves our house and our kids is incredible. And so I would say that she is she's amazing at no record of wrongs. I think it's on me. I just forget. I forget more than I remember. And so she'll say, don't you remember? I'm like, nah. I don't, I don't remember that. And so um, does that mean I'm more spiritual? We'll never know. Okay. <laughs> no, it does not mean I'm more spiritual. And so, but the reality of not keeping a record of wrongs is likely our action step today. It's likely our action step today, which is, it's two parts. Give others the forgiveness that Jesus gave you, which can be difficult. Mm -hmm. But that's easier than the second one I'm going to ask. Give others the forgiveness that you want God to give you and you get to heaven. Because I think we all live in that place where we think, oh, I know I've asked forgiveness for that 72 times, but I haven't forgiven myself. So I wonder, I wonder if God's going to forgive me for that when I get there. And is that what takes me to hell is that thing that I've asked forgiveness for? And the Bible tells you that love keeps no record of wrongs. When you repent, when you come in heartfelt intention with, with everything you have and repent, God forgives you. You're forgiven. You might struggle to forgive yourself, and that's another message. The other thing you could do is this, is say, uh, well, when I get to heaven, what about the things that I forgot to ask forgiveness for? Well, God's so good that he's going to forgive me for those anyway, right? And I don't know where you live in, in your head space, where you're at with your faith in that. But essentially, one, forgive others as Christ forgave you. Two, give others the forgiveness that you want God to give you when you get to heaven. That's, this is what it means to keep no record of wrongs, because God does not keep a record of wrongs. And so when you think about that, you need to remember the beginning of what uh, Jesus did is, is he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that he created you in his image that he created you for relationship, and Adam and Eve broke that relationship, but he sent Jesus to restore it. That's why he gave us the son. When you think about the world, you have to see yourself in the world, not just green and blue, land and water, mountains and, and oceans, and, and sun and stars and all that stuff. You, for God so loved the world, and that's personal. It's personal. It's not a big blue sky dream. And so God's relationship with you is rooted in love, and it's based on our acceptance of the gift of his son, Jesus. And understanding that that gift wipes away every sin. So then our wrongs go away when we receive, when we receive that love. So our relationship is not rooted in what we do. It's not a ritual that we practice. And it's not a task that we complete because we can, we can and we've gotten really good at doing those without love, right? Put on the suit, go do the thing, and go back to what I was doing. Well, what is, what is that like, right? The reality is that's just the same as, as walking in hate or disgust or fear or regret, right? And you can't walk in those things and walk in love too. And a perfect example of this is like, um, I think we've all done this before, so it doesn't matter. You can put anybody's name. It's normally somebody older that you look to, right? So you can say that, um, for example, in the house growing up, it would be, this is back with landlines, okay? So go with me. Mom would be letting us know what to do. Hey, and mom didn't talk on the phone hardly ever, okay? You do this, you do this, and just, just whatever, okay? And the phone rings. <clears throat> you do it right now. You're on the, you got the cell phone ringing. You're like, I'm so sick of that. Hey, how are you? Yeah, so good to talk to you. Oh, man, how have you been? Yeah, it's great. Now, what I was saying is, it's fake. 
It's fake. That's there's no there's no love. This was the answer of this phone was fake. Okay, and this is not rooted in love. It's not rooted in love. And so then, those are both actions that are empty and have no love in them. They're fake. And so I think what God wants from you today in return is the same love that he's giving you. And he wants you to receive that. He wants you to be in relationship with him, but he also wants you to walk in it as your relationship with others because love covers everything. Love covers everything. It's 1 Peter 4, 8, and it says, Above all, maintain an intense love for each other since love covers a multitude of sin. We're going to close now. Have you decided if if I'm going to stay, you stay classy, and you stay, you say, uh, what did she say? Um, I don't remember. I am. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for stopping by. You stay classy. <laughs> so thanks for stopping by. Heather mentioned earlier in the in the start of First Corinthians that the really the, the very beginning of chapter thirteen, verse one through three, without love, everything that we do is in vain. And First Corinthians ties directly to Galatians 5.22. And we thought last week when we had this conversation, we were able to sit down on Monday and do, I would say, 70% of this, which was amazing. And we thought we were going to jump into Galatians 5 to start. And the reality is how God put this thing together. When you go back to 1 John 4.13, you see, this is how we know that we remain in Him and He in us. He has given us assurance to us from His Spirit, from His Spirit. And so then now we go to Galatians 5.22 to close. And Galatians 5.22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And so this Valentine's Day, I think that what we're hoping for you, what we're really hoping for you is that you walk away with this. The evidence of God in your life is love. Mm -hmm. The evidence of God in your life is love. It's our big idea today. It's kind of the one thing that we kind of put a stake in the ground and said, this is it. And so because to know love, you must know God. So then the evidence of God in your life is love because to know what love is, you must know who God is, right? And so that doesn't mean we're going to love perfectly. Mm -hmm. I'm a human being and I have flaws and I have failures and I have um, a conscience and I have self-talk and I have doubts and I have, I have all the things that come with life just like you. And so we're not going to love perfect because we're imperfect. And, and we're also not going to love perfect because we get distracted and we get offended and we get upset. And really, when we get into all those things, we discussed this a couple of weeks ago, probably for two weeks. When we get outside those things, we get outside of operating in the spirit. We're not operating in the spirit. If there was another action step today, it would be that keep in step with the spirit. It's in Galatians, Galatians 5. Keep in step with the spirit. Because when that happens, when you get, when you get outside when you take the phone call and you're just the, the best person ever that ever walked the earth, and then you get back and you are, you know, dictator or, you know, number one parent or whatever you want to call, um, boss, leader, friend, domineering friend, right? Whatever it is. When you get back to that and you realize that those are both disconnected from love, what Galatians 5, 16 through 18 tells us is really great. It tells us keep in step with the spirit. It says this. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Hey, how are you? Flesh. Hey, flesh, right? Hate, regret, fruit problems, looking at all the things that bother you, flesh. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. They hurt love, okay? They're against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. There's a war happening. There's a war happening every day, and we make a choice to lean in love or lean away from love. And that's not going on in our head. We're not thinking, well, I think I'm just not. I think I'm just going to be hateful today. I think I'm just going to be a jerk. Okay, I think that's just what. It, Watch, I'm sure there are people that wake up like that, but that's <laughs> another thing. Whose world can I mess up today? Right? We we don't we don't make that decision. It just happens because there's. There's a war happening between our flesh and between the spirit, right? And so it says, um, for these are opposed to each other mm -hmm. to keep you from doing the things you want to do deep down inside your heart, in your spirit. You want to act in love. You want to do in love. You want to be in love. 18. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Thank God. It's the second time we've talked about the law. 
You're not under the law. So then, keep in step with the Spirit. Understand there's a war happening. You can't see it. It's happening, right? And so what I believe that we all need to grasp today, and this is, this is just as good for me and, and Heather as it is for anybody, is to walk in the Spirit is to maintain uh, our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. To walk in the Spirit is to maintain it. Well, you think maintain, that's a, that's a, that's a kind of a crappy word, right? I just need to go and, and do the same thing over and over. It's not about the routine of the ritual. It's about that engagement that we talked about. It's about that relationship. It's about the expectation of it. It's a daily walk and a continual process to become better disciples. So it's not about maintenance mode because God's not called you to maintain anything, just to stay the same, stagnant. That's not good. That's not fruitful, right? That bears no fruit. And so grasping that allows us um, to walk in the Spirit because when you don't walk in the Spirit, you're doing routine. You're maintaining a religion. You're not maintaining a relationship. You're not living in a relationship, right? You're maintaining a routine or, or, or a religion. So we walk in relationship with God and others because the fruit of God's spirit is love. When you look at Galatians 5.22, and it says that, man, as this was revealed to me uh, two weeks ago, Heather said it, and then I actually uh, got to catch a sermon clip that nailed this home for me. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. It's singular. When you look at that, 5.22, God's spirit is love. And so then, there's not a comma before love is love. And then it gives examples, right? And so there's no comma after it. If you look, it's singular. God's spirit is love. And then everything that comes after it are our result of love. Yeah. And Gal- yeah. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says, but the spirit for the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are all the qualities of love. Right. And so it's very simply, you can look at this orange. And if you look at this orange, you see one orange. And even though I open this orange and I peel it and I give it to our kids and they all come by and they say, hey, can I have a piece of orange? It's never oranges. They're not different fruits. So they're not nine different fruits, but only one fruit that's nine parts whole. The fruit of the spirit is love. And so... Inside this orange, you have the different slices, right? And you imagine that each slice represents one of those, one of those gifts that Heather just spoke about, right? Well, it's still just an orange. It's not nine oranges. It's still just one orange. And so then what you have inside of here, you don't open this orange and get a pineapple and a grape and an apple and a tangerine and a kiwi and a banana. You just have an orange. And the fruit of the Spirit is love and everything out of that. Is connected to it. The original Greek word for fruit is karpos, K-A-R-P-O-S. And one of its meaning is a result of something. One of its meanings is a result of something. And so when you see the orange sitting here, you realize that this is, that these are nine parts whole, that this is one thing. And out of this one thing, out of love, we operate in all of these things. And so when you know that, you're, that this is the, the, the fruit is a result of something, right? You understand that you can't do everything listed in Galatians 5.22 without love. They're empty. And so just to, to hit a couple, love, <clears throat> the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. I can have joy and not have love. Man, I love being here. I'm so happy that we're here today. I cannot wait till the stinking thing's over. I, I, do we really have to go there? Hey, it's so good to see you. I can have joy and not have love. We all do it. Okay. Be kind. I can be kind and not have love. Oh yeah. We just wanted to do this because we said we would, right? I can do, I can portray, I can be kind and I can do kind things without love. I can do good without love. And what really, what really is, is the, probably the root of divorce is I can be faithful to her without love. Without love. We create a great partnership. Hey, you do your thing. I'll do my thing. You're the only one for me, but I'm never going to touch you again. You're never going to touch me again. And we're just going to, and I can be faithful. I can be faithful without love. Without love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. So to seal this thing up, 
We're going to go back, and Heather's going to hammer this home from the Amplified, I believe. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to read 1 through 3. Um, this is kind of the start of the love. This is what we're talking about in the beginning. These are those acts that um, can be empty without love. It says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love for others growing out of God's love for me, then I have become only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, just an annoying distraction. And if I have the gift of prophecy and speak a new message from God to the people and understand all mysteries and possess all knowledge, and if I have all sufficient faith so I can remove mountains but do not have love reaching out to others, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor and if I surrender my body to be burned, do not have love, it means no good at all. So when the fruit of the Spirit is evident in our lives, it's a result of us being in step with the Spirit of God. Axton wants to be in step with the Spirit right now. (laughs) (laughs) Axton's awake. I don't know if you guys got to hear him. So if you want to go check this out. I'm going to step away and I'll be right back. So then um, I'll finish up where Heather was going to talk. When the fruit of the Spirit is evident in our lives, it's a result of us being in step with the Spirit of God. Right? And so because the evidence of God in our lives is love. And when you think about that, you think another great tie to this, especially as we were in John in 1 John 4, another great tie to this is, is John 15, 5. And in John 15, 5, um, what you see is I'm the vine and you're the branch. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. Out of step with the spirit, you can do nothing. What spirit? The spirit of love because love is the result of everything else we do. We give love because he first gave love, right? Without love, it will be empty. Without love, you will be frustrated, upset, whatever. And so the fruit we produce is developed and displayed in us when we keep in step with the Spirit. And so my last point is this. God's Spirit produces fruit in you because you're connected in relationship through Jesus. Your fruit, one more time, is not an act or a task. Remember, anything done without love is rotten fruit. It's empty. It's broken. You bear fruit because you know God, and the evidence is how you walk. You bear fruit because you know God, and the evidence is how you walk, which means every day is Valentine's Day, not just February 14th. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at liveredefine.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.